Welcome to Listen to Lawrence, presented by Lawrence Eric Davidow, Senior and Managing Partner of Davidow, Davidow, Siegel & Stern, one of the first and most successful elder law, special needs, and estate planning firms on Long Island. This podcast series is based on his Listen to Lawrence seminars and will teach you how to plan in advance to protect your own assets and those that you leave to your children and grandchildren. Mr. David Dow is a past president of the National Academy of Elder Law Attorneys, a published author, and an accomplished and educational speaker. So sit back and listen to Lawrence. Hello, everyone. My name is Lawrence David Dow, and welcome to another episode of our Listen to Lawrence podcast. Uh, these are dedicated to answering your direct questions about elder law and estate planning. Uh, either your direct questions or what we think are commonly asked questions that we wanted to bring forward because you, you ask it all the time. We want you to know and we want you to learn something from each episode. So we're not going to go on and on and on about some major topic here. What we do is we pinpoint certain things, certain individual things that we want you to know, maybe one thing we want you to know. We want you to walk away with one important thing from each of these podcasts, which are relatively short and kind of fun. Um, and from time to time, I bring in my partner, Michelle Jablonski, who heads up our Medicaid department. She's been with our firm for 18 years, and she is a Medicaid rock star. So uh, I, I like to bring her in, and we have a little chat about some of these things. And uh, one of the things we thought about today that we would talk about are some common misconceptions that people have with the uh, the Medicaid program. So, hi, Michelle. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. I'm glad you could come by today. Thank you. Uh, we ripped you away from the <laughs> Medicaid department. <laughs> and I know there's plenty of work back there. There is. <laughs> yeah, we're very busy these days. <laughs> but uh, wh- what when you think of misconceptions regarding Medicaid, what comes to mind? Well, let's take one of the easiest or tackle one of the easiest ones first. A lot of clients are, for back, lack of a better word, afraid of applying for Medicaid because they think when they apply for Medicaid, they're going to lose their Medicare or their other supplemental health insurance, and they want to keep the doctors that they have. So uh, what, what does Medicaid uh, replace then? Medicaid is always the payer of last resort for most of our clients who have health insurance, Medicare, a supplemental health insurance, the only reason we are applying for Medicaid is to pay for their long-term home care needs or their long-term nursing home bill. So the bottom line is they keep their Medicare, they keep their supplemental insurance, they keep their Medigap policies, they, they keep all that stuff, advantage plans, they keep it all, no matter what letter they picked in the alphabet for their for their ARP plan or, or, or whatnot, they keep it all. But Medicaid pays for things that Medicare and the insur- other insurance they have doesn't pay for. Correct. It covers the gaps. It covers the gaps. And, and what's usually- the major gap, as you know? Nursing home costs, home care costs. Exactly. So that's the easiest one. But people like being reassured that they're not, they don't have to change their doctors or only go to Medicaid 
doctors or facilities, right, which is that good. sounds scary because it, 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 it gets a bad rap. Well, they have a relationship with their providers and they want to keep that. And hey, I, I get it. Hey, you know, I get a question that's kind of similar to that. If I have to go on Medicaid to pay for my nursing home, does that mean I'm going to end up in a Medicaid nursing home? It's not going to be as good as a non-Medicaid nursing home? So he, that's a wonderful question yeah, because a lot of people believe that if Medicaid is paying for the nursing home, that they're going to go into a subpar nursing facility. Right, they're going to go to the lousy one. The exactly. welfare one. I don't want to go to a welfare nursing home. And that's not true. I'd say probably 95 to 99% of the nursing homes accept Medicaid. Think about it from a very practical perspective. Who can afford to pay fifteen dollars or $18,000 per month for a nursing home forever? Not Infin- too many people. It, it, not too many people. And if, exactly. they, and, and if they have enough money to pay for it, they're probably never going to go on Medicaid anyway. Exactly. <laughs> I'd say at any given time, between 60 to 65% of the people in most nursing homes are on Medicaid. You can have two patients in the same room. One is paying $18,000 a month and the other is be- their care is being paid for by Medicaid. But bottom line, if people have Medicaid to pay for their nursing home, are they getting less care than someone who's paying privately? No. Absolutely not. I totally agree with you, Michelle. No. Yeah. Yeah. At least that's our experience here uh, on Long Island in New York. I don't know how it is in other states, but clearly I believe that you get the same level of care whether you're paying privately or you're paying for it through the Medicaid program. You agree? I agree. And I think for admission purposes, believe it or not, a lot of the nursing homes like the idea of having Medicaid patients because it's a guaranteed source of income on a monthly basis for them. They don't have to worry about chasing after the patient or the patient's family to collect the assets or money that's due for the invoice. Right. All the government has to do is print more money and they can pay for it. Exactly. <laughs> well, that's a whole different issue. We're not getting, that's beyond the scope All of right, this I'm podcast. I'm sorry for bringing that up. Uh, but b- bottom line though, uh, New York State and the federal government together combined pay for all of uh, the Medicaid costs. Correct. So that's another misconception is Medicaid is the same everywhere. Not true. Like you alluded to, Medicaid is a federal and state program. So the federal government sets the guidelines and the parameters and the states pick and choose what to adopt within those parameters. So Medicaid in New York is different than Medicaid in New Jersey, is different than Medicaid in Florida. Not all the same thing. There are some similarities. And then it changes county by county because it's the counties that run the state and federal Medicaid programs. That's a wonderful Wonderful point. And that brings up the next common misconception that we see a lot or hear a lot from clients, and that's related to retirement accounts. So what are we talking about? IRAs? 401ks, 401Ks. Uh, qualified annuities, 403bs, Roth IRA, all of all, all of, of all those. those, anything where people put money aside, didn't pay any tax on it, it grew tax deferred, and now the rules say that at seventy two you have to start taking out minimum distributions. Right, or even with a Roth IRA because we know it right. doesn't, it's not a you qualified tax. Minimum, but, but but the Roth IRAs all fit within what you're talking about now. In the scope, right? So what what point are you trying to bring so up on that? So a client will come in and say, oh, my mom transferred her house to a trust 10 years ago. My mom only has $10,000 in any account in her name, but she has a $100,000 IRA. But that's not an asset for Medicaid purposes, Michelle. It's exempt, so we don't have to worry about that. Well, isn't it exempt as an asset? So here's the uh, the deal. <laughs> the IRA is exempt 
for Medicaid eligibility purposes as long as it is in period periodic payment status over the applicant's Medicaid life expectancy. All right, hold on, Michelle. You get you get you, you're getting technical on me. All so, right. So you 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 said this periodic payment status. That sounds to me like as long as you're taking out minimum distributions, then it's exempt. Is that true? Well. This is why I brought this up, because it addresses the point you were talking about before, how even within the state of New York, different counties administer the Medicaid program differently. In Suffolk and Nassau, periodic payment status has been defined as taking out your distributions based on your Medicaid life expectancy, based on a Medicaid life expectancy chart, which is way more than the minimum required distribution required by the Internal Revenue Service. Yeah, it's interesting that people don't realize this, that the IRS minimum distributions are not based upon life expectancy. They're based on a generous idea of what a life expectancy could be. Uh, Usually when you start taking out minimum distributions at 72, they figure you're going to live almost to your late 80s, almost uh, pushing 90. So you're, you're only taking out a very small amount. It's not based upon true life expectancies. But you're saying then in Suffolk County, it's something different. Right. So it, in Suffolk County, they may say the life expectancy, and I don't have the life expectancy table in front of me, but they might say the life expectancy for an 80-year-old woman is eight years. Actually, I had a client this morning. I had to look it up, and it was like 8.78 right. years for an 80-year-old. Right. So you divide if the person had... Uh, $100,000 sitting in IRA, you divide it by 8.78, and that's the number, and that's a lot higher than the minimum distributions. But if you do that, right. then you're saying that the amount of money in the retirement plan is, is totally exempt, and they can't touch any of it? Correct. But? But, <laughs> dot, 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 yeah. that distribution that the Medicaid recipient or applicant is receiving from that IRA then becomes income. And we know that at the general rule is that when you apply for Medicaid, there is a contribution each month you have to pay over towards the cost of your care. Okay, so you're saying is my I, if we take out the the the, uh, the the payment that we have to take out based upon life expectancy, we're still vulnerable on Social Security, on the pension on any income they have, and that income will include the amount from their retirement plans. That um, that monthly amount that Medicaid requires you to take out from the IRA, if you are a single person in the nursing home, will have to be paid to the nursing home on a monthly basis. Now, Absolutely. All right. Now, there may be something we can do in a home care case, but why don't we save that for another uh, podcast? Uh, because there's something interesting that we can do to protect income or applying for community Medicaid. Isn't that correct? Correct. Yes, and it's called a pooled income a pooled trust. Pooled income trust. We're gonna have we're gonna make that as the topic of conversation for a future podcast. Because I don't want to keep going and going and going on on topic after topic after topic and, and confusing everyone. I want people to hear one, maybe two things, learn about it, and then move on to the next one. So that's what we're going to do today. Michelle, thank you, as always, for making this very clear and and helping me out here. Um, Remember, if anyone else has questions out there, 
what we want you to do is go to info at davidoutlaw.com. That's info at D-A-V-I-D-O-W-L-A-W.com, info at davidoutlaw.com, and give us questions. Uh, and I will answer it, or Michelle may answer it on a future podcast, or you can sign up for one of our Listen to Lawrence letters, which is an email that comes out twice a week answering all of your questions. So please send us those questions, and we're happy to answer them. I actually I think this is kind of fun. Michelle, you having fun today? Absolutely. Good. Well, thank you all for listening. We wish you peace, health, and happiness, everyone. Until next time, stay safe, my friends. Bye-bye. The Listen to Lawrence podcast is not meant to be advice particular to any one person or to serve as a do-it-yourself planning guide. It's simply to educate the audience. For more information, please visit davidowlaw.com.